0: You know, just happy or lucky now And someone get, get me mad Unfortunately, at 13, I... Welcome back to Pocket Full of Crime. I'm so glad you found me and decided to listen. This is your host, Rachel. I have a case for you today that was requested by a listener. This was a hard one to look into, so here's your disclaimer. This case does involve children, so if that is too difficult for you to listen to, then here's your warning. Now that I said, don't forget to go follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Pocket of Crime leave me a review. Those always make my day when someone recommends my content and enjoys listening to me. They also help my channel to grow. I think in the near future, I will be doing a giveaway for those of you who take a screenshot or a selfie, listening to my episode and post to social media tagging me or hashtag pocket of crime. So stay tuned for that and all the details and rules that apply. This will be worldwide, not just in the States. So attention, Canada Australia, Ireland. Ireland has stepped up their fan club, coming in at 2% of my listeners, so the States is now only 90% of my audience. So what are we talking about this week? Well, let me tell you about Savona, New York, located in the southern portion of the state, closer to the Pennsylvania state line. Rochester, New York, is located 64.1 miles northwest of Savona. The population is estimated being 822 people in the 2000 census. I couldn't find anything more current. The median income per household in Savona is $44,000. Median price for a detached home is $144,465. The average rent is quite a bit cheaper than what my locals are used to seeing, only averaging $650 a month. The residents living in poverty is 26.1% of total population. Elevation is 1,050 feet versus the 4,557 feet altitude in my hometown. I found some interesting, yet not sure how accurate or true, weird laws in New York. Apparently, it's legal to sell hamburgers with more than 30% fat. It is a crime to sell cat fur to anyone, so no kitten mittens for you. One must be silent. Face the door, fold his or her hands while riding an elevator with other people. New Yorkers are not allowed to greet someone by putting one's thumb on their nose and wiggling their fingers. How many of you just did that? You also must have a license to hang clothes on the clothesline. Don't come at me saying that this is all bogus, but I did find it on a website, so don't blame me, but it was just fun. This case is about Derek Roby. He was a cute, blonde headed little boy just shy of five years old. Derek would dig for worms every chance he got after a rainstorm. He would line them up on the back porch, naming them mommy, daddy, brother, and baby, then kiss each of the worms. Boys will be boys, as they always say. He enjoyed playing t-ball, getting his hands dirty, helping his mom, Doreen, mix together meatloaf. He would even help unscrew lug nuts off the car, and he hoarded hickory nuts in his coat pocket. Even though Derek was your typical boy, his dad described him as being very gentle. Derek lived in Savona, New York with his mother, Doreen, father Dale and two-year-old brother Dalton. It was summer, August 2nd, 1993. Derek was four years old. He had been attending a summer camp all summer at a local park down the street. There has been a lot of controversy swirling about Doreen allowing Derek to walk to summer camp alone. I think it's important to remember this was 1993. Derek had walked the street to camp many times before It was just an unforeseen tragedy that occurred next. It was that day, August 2nd, that Derek took off to make the 100-yard walk to the summer camp down the street. His mom Doreen kissed him goodbye, not knowing that would be the last time she would see him alive. Later that same day, Doreen Roby made her way down the street to the summer camp to pick up her son, only to be shocked that Derek didn't arrive that morning. It was only four hours later that police found Derek's body in a wooded area nearby. Derek had been brutally beaten to death. His lunchbox was smashed and he was covered in his red Kool-Aid drink. Who could have done this to an innocent four-year-old boy in this neighborhood? The neighbors and community were shocked and grief-stricken. Even coming together to pay for the funeral for little Derek The police were on the hunt for whoever could have done this, even saying, let's go find the drifter or adult who did this. No one could have imagined this was by the hands smaller than an adult. There was one person in particular who was very helpful in assisting police in their investigation. That helper just so happened to be 13-year-old Eric Smith. Eric claimed he had seen Derek that day while he was out riding his bike. And Eric even asked police if he could be of any help to find whoever did this to Derek. Let me back up just a hair and fill you in on who Eric Smith is. He was also a Savona resident, born January 22nd, 1980. He was said to have enjoyed spending time with his grandparents. Eric was a red-haired, freckled face with glasses and little friends. He was tormented and bullied for his protruding, low-set ears, thick glasses, and red hair. Eric was diagnosed with Intermittent Explosive Disorder, a mental disorder causing abrupt acts of violence. It was rare, and even more rare at Eric's age. It is unknown what could have caused this maybe genetics, maybe being a victim of bullying at school and home. Eric stated he was bullied at home by his father and older sister. When Eric's mother was pregnant with him, she took an epilepsy drug, which was known to cause birth defects, even though that was never proven to be the cause of Eric's condition. One day, Eric approached his adoptive father in the kitchen. His face was red, his hands tightly balled up into fists and he was shaking, asking his father for help. He felt like he wanted to hurt somebody. His father let him in on a way he himself would release some rage when he was his age, telling Eric how he would go out and take a bag from their barn and start punching it, releasing built-up rage. In Eric's mother's words, Eric went out and beat the crap out of a tree, came inside with bloody knuckles. This is how much rage this boy had bottled up inside. Eric had been attending the same summer camp as Derek Roby. on August 2nd, 1993, Eric was riding his bike home from camp, having been kicked out already for bad behavior. That is when he spotted Derek Roby walking to camp. Derek recognized Eric from summer camp and had played checkers, kickball, and baseball with him before. So Eric lured him into a wooded area, telling Derek he knew a shortcut to the park. This is when Eric took his rage out on four year old Derek Roby. He strangled him using a stick to push down on his throat. He beat him with rocks, even dropping large rocks on his head. He undressed Derek and sodomized him with a tree limb. I'll save you the Google search. He assaulted Derek anally with the tree limb. So, how did they figure out this murder was at the hands of this 13 year old boy? Well, seemingly helpful, Eric began to raise some red flags with the police. His story would change. First, he didn't see Derek that day, then he did in fact see him that day. The police even took Eric to the exact spot. He supposedly seen Derek walking to reenact the scene from where Eric claimed to have been, would have been impossible to see Derek from. Eric also raised some alarms within his close family and friends. He started asking questions like, if the police had any suspects, how DNA is used, and what would happen if it turned out a child commit this murder. A family friend, Marlene, also wondered if a child had committed this crime. She believed that whoever did this didn't like bananas. There was a smashed banana at the murder scene, which raised some questions to her. Marlene decided to create a little experiment with the neighborhood children. She went to the store, bought all the ingredients for ice cream sundaes, ice cream, chocolate syrup, nuts, and most importantly, bananas. Eric was the only child from the neighborhood that didn't like bananas. Eric only ate nuts with his ice cream. Call it a strange coincidence or just a hunch, but it was only a few days later that Eric confessed to his mom. That he had been the one to murder Derek. Eric claimed he was angry that particular day after being sent home from summer camp. Derek just happened to be at the wrong place at the wrong time. Eric led him to believe he knew a shortcut, luring him away from sight. He murdered and beat Derek, afterwards pouring his Kool-Aid drink on his wounds. And to ensure he was dead, he then assaulted Derek with the tree limb. I also read This wasn't the first time Eric had acted out in such violent behavior. Eric had once killed a neighbor's cat by suffocating it. This led to many medical tests to try and find the source of his anger. Derek's autopsy determined the cause of death was by blunt force trauma to the head, with asphyxia as a contributing factor. August 16, 1994... Eric Smith was convicted of second degree murder and sentenced to the maximum sentence for juvenile at the time, which was nine years to life before you get your panties in a bunch. Like I did when I read that only nine years, I know. Well, he is still incarcerated. Eric even wrote an apology letter to the Roby family and read it on public television. Eric has been denied parole 10 times and the most recent being this January of 2020. In 2012, his failed parole hearing, the parole board cited a concern for public safety in its decision. Eric was held in juvenile for three years, then transferred to a prison for young adults. And in 2001, he was transferred to a maximum security prison in New York. The family of Derek and the locals still fight to this day to have Eric's parole denied. Even though Eric spent almost 25 years in prison, he still murdered a four-year-old boy. Derek Roby's family is paying a life sentence as well. They have to live the rest of their life without Derek, not seeing him grow up. A life for a life, in a sense, after such a violent, heinous crime. How do you not worry about public safety going forward if he were to ever be granted parole? This wraps it up for 13 Going on Trial. Yes, I totally referenced to the movie 13 Going on 30. I was hoping you caught my humor. What were you doing when you were 13 years old? Go comment on my Instagram or Facebook page and tell me. Be sure to stay tuned. I have a giveaway in the making. If you liked this episode and you like my podcast, or even if you hate it, give me a share. I work really hard on my content for you, every like, share, and review helps immensely. Thank you for listening. I appreciate each and every single one of you, my weird friends. I hope you have an amazing rest of your week. Until next time, stay weird, my friends. Oh, and one more thing. Hi, mom.